Who in this morning? Awesome. Good word. Good word. We are so glad you're here this morning. We uh, started last week. Corey got us started on this uh, Come Let Us Adore Him theme and this idea that what we're coming together for last week, he talked about the promise that early on the scriptures are filled with promises, that the promise of God is for us and that he made a plan all the way through. And so as we lead up to Christmas Eve, we're going to be looking at this idea of come let us adore him. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be there for a little bit. So how many of you, um, if somebody comes to you and they says, I've got good news and bad news, what do you want to hear first? The bad news? Then you're in luck. This is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to look at this idea that, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you think about the birth of our Savior, there's good news and bad news. There's good news that He was born. There's bad news because there was a reason why He was born. Have you ever thought about that? There's a reason why He had to be born. And so, I don't know about you, but I typically like to get the bad news out of the way just because. But so, I thought I'd have a little fun with you guys this morning. And so, I came up with some good news and bad news, okay? See if some of these connect with you. Have a little fun. Think through. Think through that time when you've, somebody said, I've got some good news, I've got some bad news. Um, here's my first one. Good news, and I got this from my sister because this happened to her son about six weeks ago. It says, let me just help you out here. Uh, students, if you ever are in trouble, don't wake your parents. Wait till they've woken up because they won't go back to sleep. So here we go. Good news. I'm okay. Bad news. The car's totaled. Perspective's always a good thing. Good news. I can retake the test. Bad news. I have to repeat the class. Good news, we got to church in record time. Bad news, it's Saturday. <laughs> Good news, they're offering a great deal on cell phones right now. Bad news, I dropped mine in the toilet. All right, now let's, let's, let's be on. We're family in here. How many of you have dropped it where you shouldn't have? Okay, true story, my, my niece, her husband, they went out, they were boating, and she told him, she said, don't take your cell phone out. You're going you're gonna to lose it. And it was on a dock, and they were playing and swimming, and, and guess what? It, into the water. So she is on his case about this expensive iPhone that is now 15 feet below them. He spends the rest of the day diving down trying to find his cell phone and found it. And the crazy thing is, it still worked. I was, he, he's like, you won't believe this, Danny. It was in the water for about, I don't know how many hours, and it still worked. <clears throat> all right, let's keep going. Good news, all the gray hair from the coloring is gone. Bad news, your hair is orange. <laughs> True story, I, I was the youth pastor in Topeka, and all the swimmers um, on, at the high school decided to color their hair as a, as a way of solidarity. And so they decided to do it, but um, when they, they did it, they did it with peroxide, so all their hair was uh, white, like snow. 
and except him, because he was Brazilian in descent, his was as orange as an orange. I mean orange like, like, like safety orange. It was hysterical to see him. He looked like he was a giant orange walking around school. Pretty funny. Okay, good news. The baby slept through the night. Bad news, I have the stomach flu. Do the math. Good news, my son uses deodorant now. Bad news, it's not enough. <clears throat> Here's my favorite one. Good news, how many of you are golfers out here? All right, I'll be keeping track now. Good news, I shot my best round of golf ever. Bad news, I told the pastor I was homesick and that's why I wasn't at church. Ooh. Good news, the cat doesn't have a hairball anymore. Bad news is you need a new purse. Mm. All right, one more. Good news, I've lost 15 pounds. Bad news, I got five Christmas parties to go to this month. How many of you feeling me here? All right, all right, here we go. So, you, you know, we have some fun. We got this idea, good news, bad news. There is, um, there is good news that the, that the Savior of the world was born, but there was a reason why he was born. And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. So have you ever thought about why Jesus was born? I, I, I mean, we, we've, we've heard the story, we know the Scripture, we read the Gospel, we know the Bible, but I think sometimes we kind of forget that, that he was born for you and I. I think sometimes we think, well, Jesus was born for those real sinners, the really bad people. No, He's born for us, and we are all in that same pool. We are all there. And I, I've learned this about myself, and maybe you can connect with me too, is we tend, to, we tend to look at our sin, and we've talked about this a lot here, we tend to look at our sin and think it's not, <clears throat> mine's not as bad as so-and-so's. I don't do this, or I don't do that, or I do this, and they, you know. And so we tend to over-inflate our goodness, forgetting how broken we really are. And so what I want to do is, is look at this out of Matthew, but as we're going there, I want to read this passage to you um, that we see in Matthew 1, 21, in leading up to the birth of our Savior. <clears throat> and it says this, and it says, she will bear a son, and you will call him Jesus. And I love what it says on the back end of that. For he will save his people from their sins. The, the purpose of Jesus' birth was to save us from ourselves, because we can't save ourselves. And that's for everybody. It's not just for a select few. It's not for the really bad ones. It's for us all. And this passage that Paul wrote is, is really amazing because he, he gives you, he gives, he takes you from your real state, who we really are, to what we can be in Christ. It's really a great story, okay? So if you got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, we're just going to look at about, about 12 verses here. This is the bad news, so for about the next 15 or so minutes, I'm going to beat you up, okay? Myself included, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, I, I got new shoes on. They were steel toe for just for me. No, I'm kidding. But the idea is that we've got to look at the bad news before we can really celebrate and, and really harness the good news. So let me pray. Father, I just pray that this morning that what we hear from you is 
that in our brokenness, a Savior was born to restore us, to redeem us. And I pray that everybody in this room would know that peace. Everybody in this room would know that the bad news is, is that we were born sinners. We were born in a state of rebellion. We were born uh, distant from you, disconnected from you. And you have spent my life drawing me into a, a continuing journey with you. And I thank you, God, for that, that moment as a, as a young man when I sensed you calling me to your presence and I responded accordingly. And I didn't have a full understanding of what that looked like, but I said yes to you as a 17-year-old young man. And I haven't looked back. And I've had bumps along the way. I've had challenges along the way. But God, the thing that I rest in this morning is your grace is sufficient. It can handle my sin. It can draw me even when I don't want to be drawn. It can heal me when I'm not sure it can. And I say thank you, God, for the birth of your son, for that and so many other things. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, let's look at this. Pretty easy. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm probably going to do, I, I may, maybe next year sometime. I, I've written out my teaching outline for next year. But I've been thinking about this word, but. There's a, the if is in the Bible and but. Because the but has got this amazing thing attached to it. It's like it's, he, he gives you this idea. So look at what he says here. Um, he, 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 he paints this picture. He says, and you were dead. Does everybody know what dead means? What does dead mean? Help me out. What? Kaput. <laughs> dead means, help me out. Okay, let's start over here. Dead is what? Give me one word. What? Lifeless, good word. Dead, not living. <laughs> Any other lifeless, not living? Okay, I'm going to keep... What? Deceased, okay. No response. Ooh, good one. Back over here, no pressure. What? Expired, I like it. You have to understand what, what Paul is saying here. He's not like going, he's not, what he's saying, because the, the word dead, he's like, okay, you're not just a little bit off the rails here with sin. It's really bad. I mean really bad. He says, and you are dead. You were dead. He's talking about your past because this is, this is where you used to be because I think sometimes we kind of forget that. He says, you were dead in the trespasses and, and sins in which you walked. That means this was your, when he says walked, that means this was daily for you. You just lived like this. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of this air, and that prince he's talking about is Satan. He was saying, you were following the path that Satan was paving for you, and you are like, let's go, let's do this thing. This is how you used to be. See, when you begin a relationship with God, the used to be can't keep staying where it is. It's got to go away. You can't have Jesus and that too. He says, this is the way you used to be. You used to follow the prince of the power of this air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He's like, you were, a, you were an enemy of God. You did not want this thing that Jesus was offering. You had no interest in it. And you were going to blaze a path towards yourself and whatever else you could find. And then he says this in verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and where by nature of na- and, we, and, and where by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. He goes, this is how you used to be. You need to remember that you used to be this way. Because if you remember how that used to be, then you say, oh, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to be there anymore. He says, you were dead. And you think about the trespasses. How many of you broke the law this week? Okay, how many of you sped this week? Get your hands up. How many of you took more items through the self-checkout than you're supposed to? <laughs> ah, just joking. Way to, way to own that, Lancey. That's breaking the law in my book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> The point is, is that when you, when you think about this, you were dead and you were trespassing against the things of God and you were living the way you wanted to. You didn't care what anybody thought. You just blazed your past. He says, this is how you used to be, but you're not that way anymore. You're not supposed to be. He says, this is, this is the state in which you were in before Christ redeemed you. And I love what, I love what, a couple things, if you, if you want to jot down some notes, I love this. We lived like the rest of the world. Before we entered a relationship with Christ, everybody else would have said, wow, you're just like me. You're just like me. We lived like the rest of the world. And I wrote this out of a commentary, and I thought, man, this is powerful. We wanted the lies of the enemy to be true. We want the lies of the enemy to be true. Man, God, man, God I, can, I can have this and all this? Man, this is awesome. We want those things to be true. I can have all of this. We want, we want the lies of the enemy to be true. And your Bible may say gratifying, and I want to help you understand what that means. To do whatever feels natural to you. I'm going to do, you know, when you talk about gratifying the sinfulness of your... Man, let me tell you what. I mean, you, when, you, when you talk about gratifying, it's like, man, you're going to... Here's what I know about gratifying. You tend to overindulge that particular thing. Now, let's, let me help you out on that. How many of you, during Christmas time, there's just certain foods that if it's in front of you, you just can't push away? All right. You know, there's just certain things that if they're in front of you, you're like, I'll just have one. I've had seven, you know. You know, there's just certain foods that you're going, um, you better just take this away from me. Um, and I... When you talk about gratifying, it's always an overindulgence. It's always going to be more than you thought, more than you planned, and you just, oh, this was great. I'm going to take all of this. And he says, when you, and look at the way he describes it. He says, he says, among you, we once lived in the passions of our flesh. That means that you were all about you, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, when he uses the word nature, this is what he's saying is this is, this is who you really are. This is who you really are. Currently, right now, this is you. Your DNA is of yourself. It is not of Christ right now. You're living however you want. This is the bad news. This is the bad news. And you were doing whatever you wanted. You were gratifying yourself. You were fulfilling all of your earthly passions. You were like, God, I don't really care what you think. I'm not interested in the things of you. And I love what John Stott said to this nature. He said, our old nature is no more extinct than the devil. But God's will is that the, 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 the dominion of both should be broken. They can't stay. 
that when we enter into a relationship with Christ, that old self, it can't be put in the back of the closet. If you were with me a few months ago, we talked about that. You can't put that old self in the back closet. You need to, it needs to get pitched. It needs to go. And he was saying, John was saying that this old self can't just be put over here like somehow you can manage it and coddle it and like, oh, it'll be okay. I, I can handle it. It's not. Sin, let me just help you out. Sin cannot be managed. It must be surrendered. You can't, you can't think, oh, I've got this figured out. I've met far too many people over my life, and, and myself included, that think somehow I, I should be old enough to manage this sin. I should be able to get around it. I should be able to solve it. I should be able to, to get my fingers and get it. And, and the enemy loves for you to try to solve your own stuff because if you are trying to, because you're going to spend all of your waking hours trying to solve it and not surrender it. And so when you think about that and you think, in my state, in my old self, I was dead, I was breaking the laws, I was doing whatever I wanted, and this is how I used to be. This was the bad news. Jesus had to come because of this. Jesus was born because we were dead in our trespasses against God. Not one of us. When, when Paul said in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He wasn't saying just a few of us. He was saying the word all. That means all. All of us have fallen short. That means we haven't all gotten there, and we can't get there on our own. And he said, it, it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in Romans 6.23. While, that means while we're still in our badness, the good news is that we had somebody who came on our behalf. The bad news is he had to come because we were, by, by nature, pursuing our own agendas, our own desires, our own interests. And they come for all of us in this room in kind of different shapes and sizes, but they do come. And we all have things that we struggle with. Yours may be food. It may be the way you think about people. It may be the things that you do or you don't do. It may be the way you treat people. It may be the things that you allow into your life. It may be, the, it may be that you, don't, you have no ability to say no to anything. It, you take your pick. Your sins are specific to you. And they are the ones that can wreak havoc upon you. And they are the ones that, you know what, you know what it is? The, when you give your heart to God, your old nature is always kind of just knocking at the door. Would you let me back in? And Jesus is saying, shut the door, deadbolt it, don't answer that door. Because that old self wants to come back in. That's what John Stott was saying, is the old self wants to come back in. And that's why Paul is reminding us of that, is your old self, before you met Christ, is always lurking and hoping that you'll give them a door back in. And so uh, what I want to do, I want you to see this video, just kind of just to transition us to the good news. Because the good news is incredible news. So take a look at this video real quick, and then we're going to finish out this verse.
so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So in your trespasses and in your deadness, look at what Galatians 5, 4, 4 through 5 said this. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. That word has such a, because for us, we want to know that there's hope, Right? You want to know that there's hope, that what's been born for us, what we celebrate here officially on the 24th, is that is there's hope for us. In our brokenness and in our badness and in our sin and our state, there's hope. And I love, I read Galatians 4, and this is the, and look at, now look at what it says in verse 4 of Ephesians 2. Ah, oh, love this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. He says, all of this, all of our state, then there's this God. He says, but God can take care of this. I love this because you know what this says? It says, being rich in love, being rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us. I love this. What prompted God's salvation was his love, his mercy, love, grace, and kindness. And if you don't know what that really means, that means it's the character of God. It isn't something he had to conjure up. It isn't something, this was who he is. This is the essence. This is many of his attributes and his character, but this is some of who he is. God is rich. That means he can, he can give a lot to us through his son Jesus. And I love this, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace that you have been saved. See, when you receive that grace from God, the birth of our Savior of the world was bringing redemption to us, for us, and for all of us to experience. And that the bad news is this is how we used to be, but we don't have to stay there. The birth of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ was for us to redeem us to save us from ourselves, to heal us. He says, when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive. The birth of Jesus was to make us alive, not dead anymore. And look at verse 6, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable richness of His grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. And I love this because this passage right here says this. These verses finish what began in verse 1. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Look at that. Those verses, verses 4 through 7, finish. They say, you were this way, and Christ can do this in your life if you'll let Him. If you'll let Him. This is what He came to do to make you alive. And let me, let me help you out. You don't know how dead you are until you are made alive in Christ. You don't know. You really don't know. Until that moment when you say yes to Christ, Christ has been drawing you to, 
watching that firsthand at Super Summer for so many years was so exciting to see a student when that light bulb would realization of coming on of how they used to be and God would reveal this is how you are this is how I want you to be and they'd go I need this in my life I need that and to watch the realization of Christ making them alive like they've never been before oh and verse 7 is important. I don't know if you caught this or not. It says that we're in this relationship with Christ. And then look at what it says in verse 7. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable richness of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, one of the important things is that as we walk with him, that people need to see that Jesus has done something extraordinary in my life. They need to see that Jesus is in the process of making me more like him as I grow. What they don't need to see is what I hear and what I see too often, guys, is like, oh, you go to church? Really? I had no idea. Because you look so much like the person who just said that. See, what happens to a lot of us is that we take the dead self, and like I said a little bit ago, we put it to the back of the closet, and every now and then we pull it out. And the reason it's dead is because it stinks, and it's not supposed to be connected to a holy God. Some years ago, when I, um, I used to hunt a lot when I was a teenager. And my friend and I, this is before internet. I, I know this is shocking, but there wasn't internet when I was in high school. I know. I was before covered, it was after covered wagons, but not by much. Anyway, um, we went hunting, and he said, hey, I've got an idea. And I said, what? And I think I may have shared this story, maybe not, but it's worth sharing again. He said, let's learn how to tan uh, squirrel pelts after we shot, you know, we shot, we, we ate everything we shot. And so I was like, well, sure, that sounds fun. Let's, let's. Let's learn how to tan squirrel pelts. And so we did. We stretched out the little, and we did the tanning thing. Well, I just put mine up in the closet to dry. Not a good idea? How many of you think that's a bad idea? How many of you parents are already shaking your head? So I put that in my closet, and my mom comes through a couple times, and, and let me just, th this is what I know about sin and smell. If you're around it long enough, you just don't even notice it anymore, am I right? Am I right? And so, sin can stay with you long enough, you don't even see it as sin anymore. A really bad smell, if you smell it long enough, you don't even notice. And so, my mom comes by my, my room, and she's like, something dying here? Kind of. And she says, um, let's take your shoes out. Let's start there. That didn't sweeten the deal. And she says, something, Danny, something in here is not right. And I'm like, I, don't, I can't imagine what it'd be, Mom. And I, 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 now, I'm, at this point, I'm really thinking that I have no idea why it smells. Because there's a rotting piece of flesh hanging, sitting above them. And so she says, what's that? piece of cardboard with some thumbtacks. I said, oh, Billy and I, we're, uh, we're trying to uh, tan our own squirrels and drying them out. 
She goes, her only words were, what? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And, she's, and so, you know, that doesn't dry very well in your closet. I don't know where it's supposed to dry. Just let me help you out. Not in your closet. And it stunk. I mean, I didn't realize it stunk until I opened it. And it was like, whoo. And my mom was like, that needs to go outside. But it's funny because sin, if it's left, doesn't smell anymore. It's offensive the first couple of times, and after a while, it, it just isn't there anymore. And the good news is that he is saying that you should, people should see this, this richness of grace that's been poured out on you. They should see it. They should know it. They should go, Jesus did that in your life? Because you know what they see? They see radical transformation. They see somebody that's like, I remember how you used to be this way, and now, wow, I can see God working in your life. Wow. So let's finish this out. Verse 8 says this. You get, the, you get all of this immeasurable pouring on us that Jesus wants to do this, and he says this from verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. It is a gift from God. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. He's saying everything that comes to us is through Christ, nothing of our part. We, we, don't, we don't bring anything to the table. I'm just going to help you out on this. There's nothing you bring to the table that God goes, oh, that's good enough. Okay, okay, now we can make a transaction here. That's not what he's talking about. For we are his workmanship. He's made us to be in his image, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works, the good works are, I'm going to explain this in just a second. The good works, they're beautiful things, which Christ prepared, what God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Do you remember a little bit ago when I said that our old self, we walked? Well, now he's telling us we should walk in his way in the things that he thinks about, the things that he is about. A couple quick things. Our works can't save us. You can't earn it here. I, and I know people think, well, gosh, if I just do enough things, no. Works-based faith is exhausting because you never can do enough. Our works, I love this. If you're writing, if you're writing one of the th these things down, write this down. Our works are not the root of our salvation. They are the fruit of our salvation. They're the fruit of your salvation. They are the outflow. The works aren't to try to dazzle God or to try to get him to like, wow, that is a super Christian. He's like, anything we do for him should be an outflow, not to try to win his approval. And this is a longer thing, but I'm going to read it to you, but it, it was, it's worth saying because so many people fight that tension of, of works and faith. And I love this, what it said. It says, salvation should be viewed as a gift. Grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. Salvation is a gift. We should never think of salvation as a transaction which God provides grace and we provide faith. Sorry, it's all grace. It's all grace. We are dead and needed to be resuscitated to, to believe. Paul said it just a second ago. We asked the definition of dead is you're unresponsive. Your old self, you are unresponsive. You are unwilling. You're not there, let me just tell you what, there's something about being resuscitated when they put those paddles on you and, and they zap you. How many of you ever had that done? Yeah, oh man, yeah. Yes. It, I've had it done twice because of some heart stuff I've had in the past. And I'll tell you what, 
it'll knock your socks off. Well said. It will. It will. I remember that after I had it done, I felt like I had done a thousand push-ups. And I was hurting. I had, I, had, I had a mark here and a mark on my back where they, they put these paddles on you. And it's a 400-volt thing. I didn't realize how, you don't realize how bad you are until God resuscitates you. You don't realize it. And when he says your old self needs to stay in the trash, don't go digging for it, it needs to stay. Because the good news, he came. The bad news, this is how we used to be. The question to you tonight is, are you going to take the good news? We celebrate the birth of Christ every year in December. And a lot of people are like, that's a great story. Let me just tell you what, the birth of Christ is to redeem us of ourselves. And every year that we don't, it doesn't get better. People, you know what happens to you is the, every year that we reject or we, 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 leave, we let the old self stay, the message at Christmas and at Easter, we don't respond to. They're cute stories and everybody agrees with them, but man, they are redemptive stories. It's a redemptive plan that God put into play that none of us could orchestrate on ourselves. And so he says this as we finish up. He says, it's not of you, not of me. I wish I could bring a little to the table, but I bring nothing. I remember as a 17-year-old when I gave my heart to God, I didn't fully understand. All I knew is that God was prompting me that I had grown up in church and that I had played the game. I was in I was in our youth choir at the time. I went on mission trips. I went to Super Summer. Every time the church was open as a student, I was there. If they would have given Academy Awards for looking like a Christian, I would have gotten an Oscar. I didn't get into trouble. I didn't do dumb stuff. But I used that as a reason that I don't really need to do anything else. I'm, I'm not doing those things. And I remember on a Sunday night service, it was a no, just a regular Sunday night service. There was no revival. There was no nada. All I could hear clearly was that Ken Emerson was our pastor, and God was saying, Danny, it is time for your relationship to be genuinely real and not a show. And I remember that I was sitting next to my friend Kenny and a bunch of other youth, and he goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going up to give my heart to God. And he looked at me like, you haven't? I'm like, no. I thought I did when I was 10, but I didn't. And I understood at that moment that I could not be good enough for the kingdom of God. I needed Jesus for that. He was the bridge for me. And so one of the things we want to do this morning is one of the things we need to remember. I, we have a... We have a we get busy at Christmas, we try to forget what, what this is all about. We forget. I want, you to, I want you to hear this. This is out of verse 11. He says this. He says, therefore, everything we've just talked about, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. He says, remember, you used to be this way. Remember how you used to be? See, I think sometimes we forget how we used to be. You think, well, I wasn't really that bad. No, you really don't understand the state of who you are until God redeems you. Verse 12, remember where you were at when you were at a time when you were separated from God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant promises, having no hope without God in the world? See, you have to remember how alienated, how separated you were from God until God drew you in. That's the good news. But I think sometimes we need to remember the good news. That it's not, that it was what's been done for us because 
You can get, how many think that Christmas is just coming way too fast this year? It's just flying. I mean, it's, it, Thanksgiving was a week, week and a half ago, and it's like it feels like it was a month ago. And these days just keep going by quickly, and God's going, man, will you just, will you remember what I've done for you? The birth of the Savior is to transform your life. We put this candle here to celebrate this, to remind us that there's this one Savior in our world, and it's not us. And when we remember, it helps others. It helps us that when we come to this time of year and at Easter, it helps us to say, thank you, God. Thank you. And then people see us with this immeasurable growth and grace that's been dispensed with us and go, wow, if God can work in their life, then maybe He can work in mine. See, we need to look more like Jesus and less like the world. And the good news of that, that Jesus came to do that. If we remember where we came from, we are more likely to live in humble gratitude toward God and love towards others. That's what He came to do. The bad news, we used to be this way. The good news, if we choose it, it's an amazing redemptive story that people can see. And it comes with a humble awareness that Jesus came for me. His birth, if you want to personalize it, His birth was just for you because you were so separated, so dead spiritually to Him. He had to come to earth just for you. And I know that He came for me. And so one of the things we want to do this morning is we want to remember. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper because I think one of the most important things we do this morning is to remember. Am I right? We need to remember where we were and where we are. And if you've never given your heart to God, that the most important thing you'll do today, you will remember, is that I gave my heart to God because He helped me to realize this is where I am and this is where I can be. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I ask for forgiveness where I have, I've had a, a, a mental lapse in my own life that I have... Um, I've not seen myself the way that you do. The sin that has mired my life has stolen from my relationship with you. And you have said to me pretty clearly, leave the old life, come to the new life. There's good news. There's a better life waiting if you'll allow me to do some extraordinary work in your life. And I pray for some in this room that to know you is to, is to recognize their current state and to be redeemed by you is an amazing journey but it comes with a saying, God, I can't, but you can. And I pray, God, over the next few moments that as we remember who you are, that what you did for us was enough, and it was for a reason. And I ask, God, that we would hear that clearly this morning. In your name I pray.